Good morning and welcome to our Good Friday service. Um, today we're going to open up with some scripture and then we'll go to time of prayer, time of fellowship, and Dan is going to uh, bring the word to us today. Um, today is a, is a Good Friday and it's good because today we reflect on the death of Jesus on the cross. And that sounds like a horrible thing. We, we, we call this Good Friday. Well, we celebrate the death of someone, but it's good because we know what Jesus' death means. We know that it frees us from our sin. And I want to read from Isaiah 53. It says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on saying, For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressor. He made intercession for the sinner. He has taken our place on the cross. He has taken our punishment on the cross. It is a good Friday because we celebrate the fact that we have freedom through faith, through grace. Uh, God is so gracious to us, and I invite you today to reflect on how gracious God has been to you. Maybe through this year, maybe through your lifetime, maybe through just the last week. Uh, God is always being gracious to us in ways we can hardly even imagine. And on Good Friday is a day in which we get to reflect on just one of the amazing, one of the most amazing things uh, through history where God showed his love to, to his people, to the world, where God sent his son to die on a cross for us. Even though he didn't deserve it, even though there was no reason for him to have to do that, he was perfect, he did not need to die. He took on our imperfections so that when we uh, believe in, in Jesus, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we become sons of God. Uh, let's let's pray and then we'll go to a time of worship. And I, again, I invite you, uh, as this is all online, uh, pause whenever you need to. Take a minute to just pause, reflect on what Jesus has done. And at any time throughout the service, if you need to just take a moment, if you need to re-hear re re something that was said, do that. That's the cool freedom that we have through doing this all recorded or on on uh, recorded devices. So thank you so much for joining us today. Let's pray, and we'll continue on in worship. Lord God, thank you so much for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins. Lord, you love us so much. Even though we constantly turn away from you, even though we're like the Israelites, one second we're faithful, the next second we're turning away. Lord, you are so gracious to us. You're filled with mercy towards us and love to the point that you gave up yourself for us. Lord, help us to be deeply impacted by that truth that you gave up yourself for us. Bless the rest of the service, Lord God, and help us to be like Jesus, to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in this city, in this town, in, in, in this world, Lord, may we love our brothers to the extent that you love us. Lord, help us to center our eyes on you. 
the author and perfecter of her faith. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your death and what it means, Lord God, that you died on a cross for us, for our sin, that we are free from the guilt and the punishment of sin. Lord, I ask that throughout this day, throughout this day of Good Friday, that you will continue to remind us how gracious you are and how full of love and mercy you are. And may we praise you with a loud cheer, Lord God. May we praise you for all that you have done. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's a strange thing to be uh, coming to you from our home with some music and a worship package. But uh, really, it's a privilege to be able to join together, even at a distance, and to know that that God's love and his presence and his spirit can overcome those distances. And we can remember that Jesus Christ gave his life for us, a tremendous sacrifice. And I invite you to join even as we sing a couple of songs together. Yeah. 
After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Well, welcome to our Good Friday virtual service. So glad that you have decided to join us as we remember with the Christ that Christ paid on the cross for us. Many years ago, when I was still on staff in a Lutheran church, I was teaching a confirmation class, and and one of the students asked, if this is the day that Christ died, and it was such a horrible thing, why do we call it Good Friday? Shouldn't it be called Bad Friday? And of course, if it was just the fact that Christ died and nothing else, then it couldn't be Good Friday. It would have to be Bad Friday. But the reality is that when Christ died on the cross, he died for you, and he died for me, that we might have a restored relationship with God, and that, that we might be able to live in the power of the Spirit day by day, and have a hope and a certainty for an abundant life here on earth and eternity with him. And so this is not Bad Friday. This is Good Friday. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for Christ's death on the cross and all that that means for us. Again, not just for this life, but for the life to come. I pray that you would bring life to the words that I'm about to speak, that only the truth would go forth and only the truth would be received. And I ask it in the wonderful and glorious name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I wonder sometimes when people make statements, when they make comments, when they, the words that they say, do they understand the impact, the power that those words might have when they speak them, when they utter them, not just in their own generation, but in, in the generations to come? I wonder it, when, when Neil Armstrong stepped off that spacecraft onto the moon and he uttered those words, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, did he realize how that would influence and how that would motivate uh, and, and, and empower a generation of Americans uh, to, to cheer their country on in the space race. And, and I wonder, well, when Robert Kennedy, and this is in my era in the 70s and late 60s, when he uttered those words, some men see things as they are and say, why? I see things as they could be and ask why not? What about when Martin Luther King Jr. stood in front of that huge crowd in Washington, D.C., and he gave that, that awesome speech, that I have a dream speech? Did he realize that that speech was going to, to influence, again, a generation, not just in the 60s, but right to this day, a generation of both black and white Americans who, who were going to stand up for racial equality and, and, and for social justice. And, and I actually heard some of those words spoken. And I admit and I agree that they are powerful, awesome words. But I think that some of the most awesome words ever spoken, just three words as a matter of fact, one of the most life-changing statements that's ever been spoken 
was not spoken by an astronaut. It was not spoken by a social activist or, or, or a politician. These were words that were spoken by an unknown uh, carpenter-turned-preacher. And, and they were not spoken by uh, spoken from a pulpit or or a platform or at a political rally these words were spoken from a place of death from a place of execution a place of crucifixion and, and i would suspect that when the people around there heard these words at this time they didn't consider them very life changing this was coming from a man who was uh, being being executed for supposed crimes. They, he was almost dead. He was close to drawing his last breath. He had been ridiculed and mocked and abandoned and beaten. And so who would care about the words that are spoken by a man like that? And yet these words are some of the most life changing words, if not the most life-changing words in all of recorded history. These three simple words, it is finished. And even though they may have been heard or misheard or misunderstood in those days, those words were heard by heaven and by earth and by hell itself. But the question, of course, is what was finished? What do we make of these three seemingly simple, uh, unimportant types of words that were spoken again by this convicted and, and sentenced man? And as he hung there on the cross, out of the silence, out of the pain, uh, out of all of that he was going through, out of the darkness that had grown around the cross, he says these three words. What do they mean? Well, I think, I think there's three things that, uh, among many that, that, these, that the cross, these simple words from the cross could have meant. First of all, I, I believe when Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying that his suffering was finished. And of course, a very real part of Jesus' suffering was physical. Because when his son, when his father sent him the son, he gave him a very real body, a very human body like you and like me. He got hungry. He got tired. Uh, he was thirsty like us. And therefore, on that cross, he suffered painfully and excruciatingly, just like you and I would. Suffering is a mystery to many of us. It puzzles us. It confuses us. God has done many great and wonderful things through suffering. And, and sometimes it's the suffering that leads to, to the decisions, to the, to the ideas that are the most significant for humanity. And the cross tells us that, that, that the suffering that God has done for us is the greatest suffering of all. By coming to earth in the flesh, but by searching after the souls of men. Philippians 2.8 tells us that, that Jesus humbled himself becoming, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And when we hear those words, we must never forget that, that for a Jew, 
To die on a cross was shameful and disgraceful. The Old Testament says that he who is nailed to a tree, who hangs from a tree, it's cursed. It was a painful death, and it was a very infamous type of death. Only Jesus knows. We will never know what it was like to take all of our fallen nature, all of our sin on himself. We will never know what it's like to, 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 to be sinless and yet to walk among sinners. But now, with these words that he spoke, he is saying, my humiliation, my suffering is finished. But I don't believe it was just his physical suffering that was finished. I believe that he is also saying that his emotional suffering is finished. You see, not only did Christ come to earth uh, and, and have a body like us, but many of his emotions were the same as us. Here was the most loving person that had ever walked on the face of the earth, and yet in his time of need, he may also have been the loneliest person on the face of the earth. In spite of all his careful explanations uh, to his followers of what was to come and, and about what he was going to accomplish through that. Even his closest followers, Mark 9.32 says, did not understand what Jesus was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Although he had done nothing wrong, again, he was a sinless person. The religious leaders hated him. And those that he walked with, that he had talked with, that he had taught, that he had loved for those years, for those three or so years, ran away and hid when he was arrested. He was going to die for them. But they would not even admit that they knew him. But now, he says, it is finished. He was in the company of Father of his father, about to be in the company of his father in heaven. So when Jesus said, it is finished, again, he was saying, my physical and emotional suffering is finished. But I believe that he was also saying, that when he said, it is finished, that the work of salvation is finished. The, the work of, of reconciling us to God was finished. It, it's sad to say that when Jesus, Jesus was born to die, and his death on the cross was the price that he willingly paid for our forgiveness, for our redemption. It was the way that God bought us back from our sin, from the consequences and the penalty and the power of our sin. And all of this began not upon Jesus' birth, not upon him being sent to earth, but it began from the very foundation of the world. God had planned that all that time, but it was brought to completion on the cross. The whole Bible, from cover to cover, is the story of this plan to, to set us free from the consequences of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they disobeyed God, God gave them a promise that one day this would all be made right. We see in the agreements, the, the covenants that he made with Noah and Abraham, 
We see again his plan. We see his plan in, in, in the deliverance of his people Israel from Egypt. We see it in the giving of the law, in the giving of the Ten Commandments. We see it again in the miracles that we see in the Old Testament, in the judgments and the symbols and the prophecies of the Old Testament. But we also see it in the New Testament. We see it in the preaching of John the Baptist who said in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What Jesus did set us free. The message of hope, we hear this in the message of hope of uh, 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 the angels when Jesus was born. We hear it again when he was uh, dedicated in the temple. We see it when he was baptized by John and received the Holy Spirit. We see it in his temptation in, in the desert, in the wilderness. We see it in his parables and, and his miracles. We see this plan lived out in his prayers and, and in his tears and in the Last Supper as he celebrated those last meal with his followers. We see it, in, see it in the betrayal of Judas and the denial by Peter and the condemnation by Pilate. And finally, we see it in the rejection that he experienced from his own people. All of these things, all of these things in the Old Testament and the New Testament that proclaim this plan that he has for his people, right up to the very last nail that was pounded into his body. These were all part of God's great work of reconciling sinful people like me and sinful people like you to himself. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, Paul writes that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, not counting their sins against them. But of course, that emphasis has changed in our day, hasn't it? The, the, the focus is no longer on, on what Christ did for humanity, but today it, the focus is, what can we do for ourselves? We want to be self-made men and self-made women. But whenever, and uh, beloved, we must understand this, whenever the, the focus of a culture, the, the focus of a society becomes what can we do for ourselves, we know that that society is in great trouble. We will see a, 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 a decline, a decrease in the vital faith that we see in people. It will see it lived out in, in the, how people's, people's values and ideals and convictions are changing. We will see it in a decrease of excitement for the things of God. And certainly, certainly this is what we see in our culture today in the 21st century. We must understand that ideals are important. But I heard a speaker say one time, and interestingly enough, this was not a preacher this was a CEO of a major corporation in Canada at that time. And he said this, Ideals and abstractions are hard to hang your hat on. 
in the deepest part of our souls, when we're in the midst of stormy waters, we need more than abstract ideals. In times like this, only the finished work of Christ will do. It is at the cross where we find the strength for every circumstance. When we're on the mountaintop, when we're in the valley, when we're living in times of ease, when we're living in times of pandemics and having to remain in our homes, when we need a defense against any danger, we find that in the midst of ongoing and increasing gloom and darkness in the world around us, it is then that we discover that our only hope is the cross of Christ and the work of salvation. And that was completed once and for all when Jesus said, it is finished. The work of salvation is finished. His suffering was finished. But I also believe that when Jesus said, it is finished, it also signaled the defeat of the kingdom of evil the kingdom of our arch enemy, Satan. It was then and there that the promise of God that had been spoken so long before in the garden to Adam and Eve was fulfilled. As he had said in Genesis 3.15, that, that the, the offspring of the woman, the offspring of Eve, crushed the head of the serpent. Now, I know some of you might be thinking right now, uh, Dan, are, are you reading the the newspaper? Are you listening to the news? Don't, don't you understand what's going on? How in the world can you seriously say that evil is defeated? In fact, if anything, the world seems to be getting worse and worse. And we're seeing deeper forms of, of evil and deeper forms of perversity and, and all of these kinds of things. The world's becoming more and more corrupt. Every time we turn around, it seems that we see the new depths and we, uh, 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 the depths to which humanity can fall. In the midst of this, how can I or anyone else dare to say that the kingdom of evil has been ended? And how? There's only one way we can say that. When we understand that, that it was finished on the work of the cross. When Jesus died on that cross, he died for the kingdom of evil to be defeated. Now, I admit, if we were standing around the cross that morning, it certainly doesn't look like it was a victory. It, it, Jesus looked far more like a, a victim than a victor. It looks far more like a defeat than a victory. But in reality, beloved, it was a great victory. It, 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 a victory over our greatest enemy of all a victory over Satan, a victory even over, over death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting, Paul would say later. There will come a time, the Bible tells us there will come a time when, when all of the earth, when those on the earth and under the earth, they, when they will hear Jesus speak and they will bow their knees before him. But this time he will not be speaking from a cross. He will be speaking from a throne, from a white horse. And he will not be saying, this time it is finished. But Genesis 21, 6 says he will be saying, it is done. This conflict 
this long established concept of a con, uh, long, long established the fight that we have had with sin every day will once and for all be over and done. And the, the, the fight between good and evil will finally be accomplished. Every tool of war will be destroyed. The dissension and the strife of sin will be replaced by an infinite and a universal peace. Scripture, despite, scripture describes the, the beauty and the glory of this day which is to come, which Scripture often calls the day of the Lord. We are told that it is a day that will be so bright and so marvelous that the brightest light of day today will appear like the darkness of midnight when that happens. And he gives us this hope based on the victory of Christ on the cross when he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. And it will soon be, it is done. This was the plan of God. Again, from all the ages, from the beginning of the age, all the suffering that Christ did on the cross, he did for you and he did for me. And the greatest moment of our entire lives comes when we understand the meaning of it is finished. And we submit our lives and our hearts and our, our minds and our entire beings to Jesus, the one who suffered and died for us, the living Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and thanks for the cross. For the victory that was won there. Thank you that we know already that Christ was not a victim on that day. He was a victor. And Father, I do pray that you would reveal to us and encourage us to live as Christ died. In victory and in suffering. And Lord, we pray that we would be able to live that out in our lives. We give you praise and thanks in Christ's name. Amen.